Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the One Fall Show. That's right, everybody. This uh, show set for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. My name is Chizuk Bean. I am your host and uh, joined this week by my co-hosts and uh, and panelists. First, I want to uh, introduce Erica Bannis, who will be uh, our timekeeper this week, as well as keep me on track with the points and uh, we ask a question to everybody going into the show so we could introduce them the question this week would be what did you think of money in the bank last sunday erica what did you think i give it a thumbs up uh just based on its uh time length alone uh it's nice to have a pay-per-view less than four hours and i think this one came in in under three so it was just a refreshing change of pace All right, with that, let me throw it to the uh, first of our three panelists today, uh, the resuming champion, our two-time champion, Mr. Nate Bender. Nate, what did you think of last week's Money in the Bank? Well, thank you very much, Mean Chuck Bean. I appreciate being here, uh, as always. I thought it stunk. I couldn't really tell the difference between Money in the Bank and most Raws and Smackdowns, and I think that that is, uh, that's not good. All right, fair enough. Moving forward, we've also got the returning Justin Valentine. What were your thoughts on Money in the Bank last week? Overall, I'm going to give a thumbs up. I'm not going to hate as much as Nate is for some reason. Uh, Again, maybe it's a little soft spot with everything going on, and any entertainment is good entertainment, but I give a thumbs up. And finally, uh, joining the panelists this week will be Mr. Shawnee Constant. Sean, what did you think of Money in the Bank? Hello, everybody. It's good to be on this side of the booth this week. I was a big fan of it. I can understand why uh, my two esteemed panel mates weren't into it. What we're seeing now is sort of the amplification of the cartoon character side of WWE. And I can see where that's frustrating to people, but I'm just sort of embracing it. I thought the laughs were all genuine. I thought it was a lot of fun. Thank you, Sean. I also uh, kind of enjoyed Money in the Bank, and I don't know if that's a lowering of standards or uh if it just you know hit on the some of the things that i come to pro wrestling for but i had a great time so we'll get into that and more as it was a week of many many news stories throughout the wwe however before we get started uh i would like to thank nate for uh exposing some holes in our game last week and uh what do you mean whoa 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 whoa. what do you what do you mean exposing some holes I played by the rules that I was given, of which there are none. Very well said, Chuck. Very well said. <laughs> that, no, that is fair. Uh, so that this this week, I want, want to make sure that we establish what some of the rules for this game are. So before we go forward, each round consists of three questions. Those questions worth one, two, and three points, respectively. Correct answers will net a player full points. However, if you are unsure of the answer, you are encouraged to give as entertaining an incorrect answer as you want. And uh, both myself and Erica will judge whether or not that that, uh, answer is worth a point, even though it is incorrect. Uh, Each player has to the count of five to answer a question. And uh, the winner of the previous round show, or the previous week's show, will start round one. That winner being uh, Nate, you get to pick the the topic going into the beginning of this week's uh, question. We've got... Questions about Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. We also like to call that category Smacked Raw. We've got the Wednesday Night War, speaking about NXT and uh, AEW. And then we've got Around the Ring, which is a catch-all of things that have happened this week in pro wrestling all around. Where would you like to start, Nate? Uh, Let's go ahead and start with the Wednesday Night War. All right. Our first question is uh, about NXT. Finn Balor lost his match against Cameron Grimes 
after interference from this superstar that administered punishment to Finn weeks ago backstage. Who would I be talking about? Oh, no. Because uh, I even watched this show, too. Um, God, who was it? Uh, oh, oh, uh, Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis is not the correct no! answer. So we will uh, move forward. Erica, who should we throw it to? Should we throw it to uh, the returning Dustin, or should we give Shawnee his first shot at the game? I think we should let Shawnee have a first crack at this. All right. Uh, Sean, do you need the question repeated? Uh, no, sir. As a matter of fact, the DVR is currently queued up to the beginning of this match, and uh, I'm frantically fast-forwarding, but it will require more than five seconds to get there. Okay. Who do you, who do you think it was, then? I have missed a couple NXTs. Who attacked Finn Balor? Uh, I... Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole, baby. That is also an incorrect answer, unfortunately, but an entertaining one. Um, I will I will confer with Erica whether or not uh, either of those questions are worth a point. After we ask Justin, who uh, who attacked Finn Balor a couple of weeks ago backstage, administering some punishment, and then uh, we found out who it was after his loss to Cameron Grimes on NXT this week. I believe that was Damian Priest. That is correct. Damian Priest uh, a couple of weeks ago, jumping Finn Balor off camera backstage. Finn Balor doing a uh, promo either last week or the week before saying that he knew who it was and that he was coming for some uh, some revenge, uh, originally known as Punishment Martinez. Well done. Well done. How do we feel about Finn Balor's run so far in NXT? I think uh, he's done some of his best work originally in NXT and, and moved back to the... Uh, and, and is it really a moon backwards when you go to the main to from the main roster to NXT or even 205 at this point, let's start with you, Justin. It, it's weird you say that because I don't know if NXT is going backwards or not anymore. Because now you got Charlotte Flair holding an NXT belt. So, what is that? It was an opportunity for him to restructure his character, not because of anything he did wrong, just because the writers completely screwed him up after calling him up originally to WWE. So far, so good in NXT. His heel turn early on, and since then at NXT, that was great. And so far, I think it's going to be exciting to have him back at WWE whenever they call him back up. I think Finn Balor has been one of the biggest victims of a unfortunately timed injury that I can think of. Um, he, he, I'm a big fan of Prince Devitt. I loved his New Japan run. I loved Bullet Club. Uh, his work there was fantastic. I have not liked Finn Balor at all in the WWE. I didn't see his NXT run, his original NXT run, so I have no context for that. But I, I have seen him over the arc of the better part of the arc of his career in WWE, and I just think that they have not done him very well. I think that him returning to NXT, he's still floundering. I still don't think he's doing well, and especially losing a match to someone like Cameron Grimes, it's not helping at all. Being there is he's not a smash over star. He's not even a contender for a belt. He's not even in the conversation for a belt. I, I do not understand what they're doing with him. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to require some sort of long-term plan that I'm not seeing to get engaged. Like I said, I'm queued up to it. So I wasn't so excited that I even watched it this week. But uh, I'm a big fan of his original NXT run, much like Justin. I'm uh, a bit of a fan of his Prince Devitt stuff. I love the legacy. 
but also agree that, uh, yeah, he has had nothing to really chew on in terms of his uh, main roster arc. And uh, so, I'm, you know, he's he's not the best thing on NXT right now. I'd love for him to figure out how to become that best thing. And, and I'm right that his original uh, universal title run was sidelined by an injury, right? Like, that's why he only held it for a cup of coffee, right? He only had, he got injured during that match against Seth Rollins and he had to surrender the title the very next night. That's right. Erica, did you want to chime in on this at all? Uh, pretty much everybody covered what I was going to touch on. Uh, his original NXT run was outstanding. Uh, very, very unfortunate injury uh, during the universal uh, championship match. Uh, it, it's definitely one of those like what ifs. You know, had he not gotten hurt, where would he be now? But, uh, you know, as of right now, in NXT, like, where is he going? And we just kind of have to wait and see. But hopefully it's somewhere interesting because he deserves that. I just hope that this isn't the path that, that you know, uh, washouts from the main roster end up taking. Because, I mean... You know, if if six, seven, eight months from now, Drew McIntyre is bumped back down to NXT, I'm going to be really disappointed because I think he's a, a star. That is a fair point. Yeah, it, it certainly feels like Finn is there to enhance the younger talent uh, and he's not past his prime. But I would say that the best thing that he did on the main roster was probably putting over the Fiend in the Fiend's first match so that uh, we could have that character the way we have him. Let's move on to question two. This uh, going to Justin as he answered the first question correctly. Justin, for two points, the bro Matt Riddle pulled double duty on this week's NXT after an unsuccessful title defense and saw victory at the end of the night against his tag team partner, Timothy Thatcher. What faction? Faction. There it is. What faction took the NXT titles off of the former partners this week? Man, I saw this and I cannot. The name is slipping me right now. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Give me a sec. I got till the count of five. I'm gonna talk until I'm gonna talk until the count of five, damn it. Um I I can't remember, so the Forgotten Sons. Forgotten Sons, not the correct answer and not a very entertaining answer. I'm not a very big fan of the Forgotten Sons. So we're gonna move it back to uh Nate, who originally had this uh particular category. Nate. Who uh, who did Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher lose their NXT titles to this week on NXT? Well, that would be the boys in Imperium. That is correct. From NXT UK, the Imperium, who are now the NXT champions. I took a, I did a little bit of digging over on the WWE Network app because we were talking last week about the fact that, uh, you know, 205 Live kind of is unnecessary if they're going to have the Cruiserweight over on NXT, the tournament and everything like that. I realized that the NXT UK show has kind of been a highlight show for the last maybe month, month and a half. What do you guys think? Is it time to wrap up NXT UK if we can't uh, if we can't do the TV or should we uh, just wait this out so that when we can do shows properly again, we have that option? Starting with you, Nate, what do you think of NXT UK? You know, I can't have ever claimed to have watched an episode of NXT UK, so uh, I don't know. It's not that surprising that the last month and a half of shows have been kind of best ofs or reruns because that's, you know, that's just the COVID-19 world that we're living in. Um, I, you know, how would 
WWE manage putting on UK shows uh, in this type of environment? I don't even know. What's what's kind of impressive, though, is that they've been able to get UK talent to come and appear on NXT like Imperium. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it is probably time to wrap up 205 Live and uh, NXT UK until at least post-COVID, then reevaluate NXT UK because I understand it was doing fairly well at least in terms of like live shows in the UK. Johnny, what are your thoughts on the NXT UK brand? Yeah, it's a, it's a great presentation, but there is just uh, so much wrestling out there in a normal landscape that uh, it's hard to keep up. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not, the, I'm no longer the target audience for the most part. It's, it's not something I have uh, the interest in pursuing, but I felt that way about 205 live all along. So <laughs> Justin, I think uh, NXT UK is I mean, it's a problem with the WWE network. We have way too much content, way too many different rosters, too many different shows, 205 live roster, NXT UK roster. Find a home for them between Raw, SmackDown and NXT. Leave the network for pay-per-views and on demand and original content documentaries and leave it at that. Well, it doesn't help when superstars ping pong between brands at random. Tell me, which brand is Akira Tozawa a part of? Because I've seen him on Raw. I've seen him on NXT. He's a part of that cruiserweight tournament. What division is he in? He just seems to be like, oh, here's a jobber that has an entrance that we can use on Raw. And then kind of like throw him into this cruiserweight tournament. That doesn't help in terms of like clarity and, and sort of like distinguishing between the brands. I think, though, Akira Tozawa is another COVID-19 world thing because they only have so many superstars. And in order to put on matches, that's why you're seeing superstars bounce around. Charlotte was just on SmackDown and bouncing around with NXT and Raw. It's one of those things they need enough talent to put on the show. All right. All solid points. Let's move forward with uh, this round of the game going through the Wednesday Night War category for three points, taking it back to Nate as he got the last one right. Uh, on Sunday, we got to see two murders as Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black were tossed off the top of the Titan Towers. But Wednesday, AEW Dynamite was not to be uh, not to be stopped as we saw yet another murder. Who was murdered on this week's episode of AEW Dynamite, Nate? Who was murdered on this episode of AEW Dynamite? Uh, oh, man. <sighs> I don't I don't know that I have uh, an answer for this. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I have no idea. All right, let's throw it to Shawnee. Shawnee, who got killed on AEW Dynamite this week? I think this is going to get you in trouble, but I'm going to go ahead and guess Vanguard one. That 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 would be correct. Vanguard one getting destroyed by the inner circle. Now, thanks to the lake of reincarnation, we may see Vanguard one again. Oh, sweet. But Jesus. uh it was it was a brutal scene. Absolutely brutal scene. What do you guys think of this stadium stampede match that the elite and the inner circle are moving towards for double or nothing? And uh, are there any other matches in double or nothing you guys are looking forward to? Let's start with you, Sean. I mean, I am so much on the fence for this pay-per-view because it uh seems expensive so i don't know what to say man but 
the stadium stampede match, like uh, an empty stadium is meaningless. I, I don't, I don't get it, man. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure how I would handle it if I was trying to run a promotion without an audience and sell a pay-per-view, but the 999 model of the WWE has me very, very spoiled right now. Let me say that. You may want to hold on to that for now. Now, you may want to hold on to that for now, uh, because who knows what the future of the network is going to be? Who knows what the... Because, I mean, there's obviously been rumors about the network being shut down, et cetera, et cetera we may just have to get used to paying for things again or pirating things again. Let's be honest. Right. That that's a fair point. What about, uh, what about you, Justin? Does the, uh, AEW double or nothing. Is there anything on that, uh, that makes you go, man, I want to see that. So, I mean, I give WWE the edge when it comes to creativity and still selling a pay-per-view product and building up a pay-per-view product during these times. But I will give AEW credit. Uh, they're doing a nice job building up this stadium stampede match uh, to the spot with uh, Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega in the golf cart and just all and then Vanguard one was actually pretty entertaining. That scene was entertaining because a lot of people like this Matt Hardy character. So I think they're doing a nice job with the buildup. I'm not overly excited about this event, but they are doing their best. I can see that. I'm having trouble gauging whether or not Matt Hardy is landing on AEW in the way that he landed on impact because I am so much less impressed with this version of Matt Hardy than even in his WWE run. And I mean, the only thing out of his WWE run that was worth even half of a shit was his Bray Wyatt feud. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, first of all, Murder and a drone don't belong in the same sentence together. I think that's probably why I didn't immediately make that connection. But I have hated everything that Matt Hardy has done in AEW. I, I'd almost, you know, I'd almost rather him ditch the whole Damascus broken thing and just, I don't know, come up with something new. This has been almost a 10 year long experiment in a thing that got over in a subpar company. And I just don't think it's working here. For starters, don't blame the questions. And second of all, it's really hard to judge the gimmick, in my opinion, without having a crowd. We all know a crowd is very important in getting over anything. So who knows what you know? a crowd's chance could have influence on like a, a promo, something could take off. From the crowd, we've all seen the just the organic nature of, of what a live crowd can provide for anything. So I think it's just too early to judge anything that Matt Hardy has done just because he hasn't had the benefit of an audience. As far as the card for Double or Nothing goes, I I mean, the buildup has been decent. Uh, obviously, they've had to deal with various issues uh, with you know COVID-19. But, you know, I think the, uh, the Moxley-Brody Lee match is going to be great. I think Cody versus Lance Archer is going to be great. Um, I, I'm going to be interested to see what they do with the Stadium Stampede match. There's a lot of really good stuff on the card. I agree. There is. I'm also in the same comp camp as Sean is that I've gotten so used to just paying $9.99 a month for my, my WWE content that when I have actual pay-per-view prices put in front of me, I'm like, eh, I don't know, but it does sound like it's uh for, for what we've got right now, 
it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite a card. I'm real interested in the women's match. I thought the women's match Wednesday was fantastic, the Fatal Four Way, and uh, it'll it'll be cool to see how uh, AEW adjusts in this particular market. At the end of this round, let me know if I'm uh, correct, Erica. I've got Nate with uh, one or with two points, Justin with one, and Sean with three. That is correct. All right, let's move forward with our second round. Justin, with one point, you get to choose the uh, the topic for this particular round, I believe. Uh, no, Nate chose the last one. We've got Around the Ring, and we've got Smacked Raw. Where would you like to go? I'm going to go with the one that sounds like a porn site, Smacked Raw. Sounds good to me. Uh, with one point, the biggest news of the week, Becky Lynch announcing she is pregnant. But who's the daddy? Unless there's a plot twist I don't know about, I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Seth Rollins. That's the answer I've got down, Seth Rollins. Um, Where does everybody stand on this uh, Becky Lynch pregnancy? I know that I was highly entertained with Seth Rollins' performance on Monday night. Uh, I liked that you could see that either he was taking his loss on Sunday very poorly or was not ready to be a father. Justin, what did you think? Uh, I Seth Rollins was awesome on Monday night. I agree, but I think that has nothing to do with him being a father. I think that has something else to do with his character and his loss at Money in the Bank. I thought they handled this well. Obviously, it's tough with a star like Becky Lynch to go, but again, to have the twist of the Money in the Bank match, the title was in the briefcase the whole time. That's awesome. Plus, Asuka deserves it. She's been putting in the most work out of anybody in WWE during COVID-19, and I'm good without another title tournament. We have an IC title one, you know, AEW had one. I'm good with tournaments, the Cruiserweight tournament. So let's just leave it at this. Sean, what are your thoughts on the uh, Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins story right now? I mean, good for them. They seem very happy about it. And uh, it's going to be a big void for the WWE in terms of that ultimate star power that Becky brought. But I'm a huge fan of Asuka and I'm loving what she's doing right now. So in terms of, my personal entertainment, I'm all about it. And in person, you know, in terms of uh, them, uh, you know, man, best to them. Nate, uh, I'm not a fan of kids, so this didn't really move the needle a whole lot for me. Um, I, I'm not going to win any fans here, but uh, I'm kind of with Cornette. When you're at the top of your game, why would you choose now? Um, but good for them. Um, I, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, I, I think, I, I think if I feel really genuinely bad for anyone in this situation, it's Oscar because she won the title at this horrible money in the bank match that the women's ending was particularly bad. I, that's just, if you're going to become a champion, that's really not the way that I would have wanted to, to win a championship. I mean, look, I'm not exactly a fan of young children either. However, you know, perhaps, you know, perhaps it was a surprise. Perhaps they didn't exactly plan this. Um, if, if, you know, it's none of our business of whether or what they decided to do. But I think it's a, it's going to be a great opportunity for the women's division to see who steps up. We There's been countless moments like this, countless voids that have happened within the wwe or, or just any promotion really you know and you, you gotta fill up those spots you gotta make up for the lack of star power who's gonna be the person 
that steps up in the women's division. I think it's exciting. I think it's great. And, you know, good for Becky. There's rumors supposedly that, you know, she may not come back. Um, I would be shocked if she didn't. Um, but if, I mean, if this is it, I mean, what a way to go. What a, I mean, you go out on top. Yeah, and I think we talked a little bit uh, on last week's episode about the fact that there's rumors that you know Becky Lynch was just in a television show. Uh, there's rumors she's going moving on to movies, so she could be the women's equivalent of The Rock at some point and uh, just move into an acting career, especially while she's pregnant, because it's a lot less you know falling on your back. I really didn't like the way that they handled the segment, though, with having Becky in the ring and being genuine and honest and opening up about this. And then here comes Asuka behaving in a way that no human would ever behave. Uh, just, you know, in gimmick and being a friggin' clown. I hated that. I would have liked it a lot more if Asuka met Becky with the same sort of serious energy that she was kind of putting out there. I thought the segment didn't hold together very well. And if they replay it again this week on Raw... I'm going to lose my mind because I can't tell you between raw and SmackDown, how many times I've seen the replay of this moment again and again. And if I know the WWE, I know that I'm going to be seeing this for the next six friggin' weeks. So um, yeah, it's, I, I, I didn't like the way that they did the segment. Let me throw out there that there have been talks that not everybody knew about what Becky was going to say, including Asuka. And there was actual talks that Asuka's reaction on Raw was genuine when Becky said, I'm going to go be a mother. And when she said that, Asuka got serious and congratulated her. So I think that played a role in Asuka being a little extra, as she normally is, in character. Yeah, I thought that was pretty clearly the case. It it looked like it to me. It read like that to me. And I absolutely love the segment. So... So are we all just agreeing now that Asuka doesn't read Twitter? Because I read this like, you know, two days before I was reading this while I was scrolling Twitter for money in the bank results. Like Raw was not live. So the rumors came out on Twitter because of the spoilers to the taping of Raw. I'm not sure specifically when they taped it, but Raw wasn't live Monday night. Not to mention the fact that if you watch Asuka's uh, YouTube channel, you know that she actually does speak and understand English much better than the character on TV would have you you believe. All right, let's move forward. Justin, you got that one right. So we're going to uh, throw the second question to you. Which tag team made their return to Raw after a seven-month absence on TV? Oh, my God. What, What tag team returned to Raw? I'm very upset you don't know the answer to this. I, I feel like I, I should. Hold on. Oh, uh, the Iconics. That's right. My favorite ladies from uh, down under the Iconics returning to Raw after a seven-month absence. I was also very entertained that the first words out of Billy Kay's mouth were, you got to be joking me, because that cracks me up every time. Do you guys think there's going to be a genuine push for the women's tag division here, or do you think uh, we're, we're just going to see this kind of peter out after a couple of weeks? I think there's going to be a push. I think the Iconics are very entertaining. I'm with you on that. Um, I like Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross as a team as well. Um, and I think they need to because now that Asuka's the Raw Women's Champion, that takes her and Kyrie Zane out of that division. So they got to kind of push it in a different direction and get it away from that tag team. How many, how many f- women's tag teams are there? 
because there's the Iconics, there's Bliss Cross Applesauce. Uh, who else? That's a good question. You got Is it? Uh, it? Is that it? I mean, there was the Kabuki Warriors. That was the third, but Justin's absolutely right that Asuka has a brand new role. Who knows what? May, you know what? Maybe they call up Io Shirai and pair her with Kyrie Sane because that, yeah, would, would, that be- would actually be a pretty good pairing. I wouldn't be mad at that. No, not at all. I think EO's fantastic. But uh, honestly, w- like, who else is there? They split up the Riot squad, so they're no longer around. Like, I think they need to build a couple of more tag teams. I mean, I th- that's what they normally do. They usually just grab two of the girls backstage and put them together. You saw that with Carmella and Dana Brooke a couple weeks ago on SmackDown. And I think, I mean, I think that's what they can do. And I think it's not too hard to do because they're looking for a role for each, you know, girl back there, and that's the perfect way to do it. Yeah, I mean, the revival straight up left uh, money on the table because they didn't believe that the tag teams were ever going to get a a real shake. So. I'm not particularly enthused about the future of the raw women's tag team division specifically, but I do like the Iconics and I like uh, Bliss and uh, Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross. <laughs> you like them that much? <laughs> so much so that uh, she escapes memory. Erica, did you have anything to weigh in on this or should we move forward? Um, I really hope that, this means something big for the division. However, let's face it, any sort of hope we have on like tag team wrestling in WWE generally gets squashed. Um, as far as building up teams, uh, I agree with Justin. They're pretty much going to slap a bunch of teams together. Um, I would, I would love to see actual teams be built, whether in NXT or, you know, or however they choose to do it instead of just throwing people together. I like, real teams i like investing in a team um i i like tag i like tag team wrestling which is another thing that vincent kennedy mcmahon and i don't have in common but uh we'll play this out let's see what happens you know what's interesting there's no female tag teams on nxt so it's not like you could take a like a like there's no even development structure that exists in nxt where you could you know, like build an organic team because there's who would they fight? You know what I mean? Like, so I think that this is a division that needs probably the most help right now in WWE. Well, and honestly, I think reality TV has ruined the women's tag team division because of the total divas, because a tag team in the women's division in their eyes comes from, oh, my God, we're best friends. Let's team up. Where normally in tag team divisions, we get together and work together because of a common goal and let's kick some ass and win some gold. But instead, it's like, okay, we're best friends now. Let's go have some fun. Yeah. It's it's like they split up the Riot Squad and Fire and Desire at the same time, not realizing that they only had two other female tag teams. Yeah, and I think the last time Asuka and Kairi Sane defended the titles on NXT, it was against... Uh, Tegan Knox and um, Dakota Kai, which are now feuding. So that kind of yeah. abolished the only tag team you had going on there. Well, speaking of gold, let's move forward to our third and final question in this round. Justin, um, this week we saw that there will be an intercontinental championship tournament on SmackDown. Which two WWE superstars advanced in that tournament on this week's SmackDown? Uh, that will be Daniel Bryan and Elias. That is correct. 
I am torn on this Intercontinental title tournament because on one hand, which I'm sure we'll get to, uh, taking the title off Sami Zayn is wrong for a number of reasons. But when it comes to the booking of the brackets for this tournament, I think this is quite possibly the best booking I have seen out of WWE in a while. Every one of the brackets is either a story that's currently going on or is a match I absolutely want it to see. Um, Justin, we'll start with you. What do you think about everything that's going on with the IC title right now? So first of all, I agree with you. The bracket is amazing. Both the matches bring AJ over. We got AJ and Shinsuke, Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. And all of these guys I can see for one reason or another getting a push as champion. Um, I do want to weigh in that Sami Zayn getting stripped of the title was the right call. Everyone is comparing this to Brock Lesnar. It's not the same. Brock Lesnar shows up five shows a year because that's how WWE books it. They're ready for it. Sami Zayn does not want to perform because of COVID-19, which is fine, but that means they don't know how long they're going to be without a title. They need to know. They need to have that control over the story of a title. Sami Zayn took away that control, so all they did was take it back. Not a knock on him. I don't blame him for it per se, but, I mean, business is business, and they're moving on with the show. I, I think bigger than the IC title is the rumor that that Sami Zayn has backstage heat because he doesn't want to work during a pandemic. And for the same reasons, I think that the that it's nonsense to, you know, come down on Roman Reigns for something like that. I think it's equally as ludicrous to get any kind of heat because you're unwilling to, you know, endanger your family. I think that 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 I think that's a way bigger deal than just stripping them of the title. I will say that the the tournament is really interesting. All of the matchups are really interesting. Any one of those superstars could come out and be a phenomenal IC champion. But there's a lot of names in there that I wouldn't that I think are too big for the uh, IC belt. AJ being one of them. I think even Shinsuke is bigger than the IC belt. I never understood why they put him down in that division. So, you know, I think that there's some great stuff here. There's some really compelling matchups that I'm going to want to see. It's weird that it's not building up towards a pay-per-view, that this is direct happening directly after a pay-per-view. Shawnee, what do you got? On Friday, we were watching Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak put on an incredible no-striking match. I mean, it was all technical wrestling. It was amazing. And here we are recording on Sunday, and uh, Drew Gulak is no longer with the company. I don't know what the fuck you say about all this. Yeah, that is absolutely crazy. And I'd seen somebody in one of the groups that I follow say that uh, it says something about Daniel Bryan's stock in the company that he got to put on that absolute banger with Drew Gulak on Drew's way out of the company because typically you go out on your back. I mean, I think it's really unfortunate that Drew Gulak got let go in the middle of uh, of this pandemic when he has had such a good run recently on television. Like him and Daniel Bryan have been the reason that I've been tuning into SmackDown. Um, I think that that's really unfortunate. I, I hope it's not, you know, I some kind of, yeah, well, we just got to cut, we got to trim some fat and he's not doing enough. I think he was doing more than enough to to have earned his spot. And I think that he was, you know, like in an angle like that, you have an opportunity to raise your profile. I think he was, his profile was definitely on the upswing. Do we know for sure if he was actually released or if he asked for his release? Because there was that thing going around that, Basically, WWE was at a point where if you wanted out, you could get out. Do we know for sure if he was legitimately released or if he had asked? 
I will say I will say one of the headlines that I saw from the dirt sheets was that he quit. I don't I again, I didn't read it. I didn't read the article, but I, I saw that and it gave me a moment of pause. So, uh, you know, for what it's worth, we're not sure if his contract ran out or if he was straight up cut. If his contract ran out, the question is, were they trying to negotiate in good faith and he did not want to sign? And this has been a long term thing in the works or right. or otherwise. We don't know that right now. But either way, you have a guy who was incredible in an incredible match in a very high-profile tournament that Chuck, you yourself said, was extremely well-booked, and one of the people isn't there anymore. Whoever's fault that is, it's it's just another it's just another headline from WWE where you're like, I, I don't understand what goes on in this place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I kind of blame the writers because as much as Drew Gulak was working his ass off the last few months and had some great matches... I think the role of him being Daniel Bryan's coach was not believable one bit. I don't think you can b- make me believe that Daniel Bryan was ever being coached by a guy that does not have nearly the years of experience or the credibility that he does. And I think that's where I lost interest in his character. And that may be where maybe Drew Gulak wasn't happy with that or something because he just turned into uh, Drew or Daniel Bryan's backup. That's it. I liked when he was cutting the um, PowerPoint promos about like, you know, no, you know, no fly high flying moves and stuff like that. Like that, that was his best gimmick. I agree. Yeah. PowerPoint yep. Drew Gulak was a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, give me some, give me some scores at the end of this round here. We're at the end of second round and uh, who's in the lead, Erica. All right. Well, we got Justin in the lead with seven points, followed up by Shawnee with three and Nate with dose. So that leads us into our around the ring segment and seeing as uh, Nate, you are bringing up the rear at this point. We'll uh, start with you. All right. Question one in this week's episode of being the elite, there was a scene where Matt Jackson made some toast for his children. What image appeared on that toast? Oh God. I, I don't even know. Uh, I don't watch being the elite. So I'm going to say the Monday night Messiah, Seth Rollins. <laughs> uh, honestly that's a great guess just con- considering how people see jesus and toast all the time thank you Th- putting together the punchline thank you yes very good I, th- I think that's worth at least one point that was that was very amusing yeah i agree uh, let's move on to sean sean uh what was the image that appeared in the toast of this week's being the elite I am not sure what was in the toast. I'm hungry, though. I could use a piece of toast. Does anyone have toast? Toast is pretty good. I think think that toast may be what's for dinner afterwards. A toast to toast. Uh, That leaves you, Justin. What was in the toast? I'm sure you didn't watch Being the Elite, so I'm real curious to see what you think it was. <laughs> How do you know that? What do you mean? Uh no, I no, I did not catch that. I you know, I just missed that one. Um, I'm gonna say the projected face of Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins' baby. Not quite as entertaining as Nate's answer, but still a, a fairly entertaining answer. It was the uh it was the initials FTR, which of course stood forever uh-huh. for uh fuck the revival, but now they are known as the revolt. At, at now it stands for fear the revolt. Exactly. Right. Is the revolt going to make an appearance at double nothing? What do we think, Nate? God, I hope so. I, I genuinely hope so. I, I recently listened to the podcast that um, 
uh, I don't remember the guys' n- new names, um, but that the the revolt did with Chris Jericho. And it all signs are pointing to them coming to AEW, and I think that that's a coup. My question is, where are they going to fit into this already overcrowded tag team division? I want these guys to come in and just smash over the competition and have some, you know, just phenomenal knockout drag out fights. But if that's the case, then they've got to they've got to be gunning straight for the top. If they put the revolt in a program with Hangman and and uh, Kenny, I am going to be a big fan of that. Now, uh, just to add on to Nate's point, uh, I'd be shocked if that wasn't what the plan was. I think to put the belts on them immediately, one, it's it does send a message to WWE who has not valued cha- uh, tag team wrestling at all. And if you listen to uh, Dax and Cash, which I will forever forget those names, uh, I had to look them up personally. Um, if you listen to their episode of Talk is Jericho, I mean, that was the big reason why they quit. You know, it wasn't that they weren't getting over. It wasn't that they weren't champions. It just the entire division was being buried. And you can't blame a legit tag team for being upset that their division was getting buried. So I think it's going to be a big message sent to the WWE, put the belts on them immediately, and then have them just kind of run roughshod over the division. Obviously, this is all going to culminate into them against the Young Bucks, which is what everybody wants. But we're not going to get that right away um, as soon as they arrive to the promotion. But it's exciting. I'm I'm super excited. I hope they uh, make an appearance at Double or Nothing, but... Who knows? Who's to say? I hope the Young Bucks put an appearance in uh, Double or Nothing because I, you know, them being absent from television for, you know, going on six weeks now has been a disappointment as well. I mean, I understand, you know, that they've got to take care of their family and all of that. But, um, you know, as as an AEW fan, that's a big reason why I tune in every week. The revolt coming in is great. The revolt is uh, perhaps the the biggest saviors potentially for tag team wrestling going forward. Hopefully in five or 10 years, we talk about tag team wrestling like people did at the end of the nineties. And uh, I don't know where the young bucks have been either. I think uh, it's about time for them to come back. Agreed. I think uh, the revolt in AEW needs to happen. Of course. I just think maybe not yet. You know, I, I understand they can't control no crowd, but you already have Brody Lee and Matt Hardy debut in front of an empty stadium. Maybe hold off just to see if it's possible to have their debut in front of a crowd because you would like to have that pop just like you wish Matt Hardy's pop and Brody Lee's pop was in front of a live audience. Hold off. We don't know what's going on. We don't know when. So hold off just to see if it's possible. If not, then throw them in there. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, uh, especially because, you know, you get you got teams like uh, the Butcher and the Blade that got their big, you know, public debut of coming up under the ring. And nobody could have given half of a crap about those two guys at all. So you would. Yeah, I, I totally get it. You really want to be able to make these guys feel special, especially if they're going to come in and dominate the division. Well, while we're talking about uh, recently released WWE superstars, let's move on to question two. Uh, remind me, Erica, who is this going to? Well, since uh, nobody got that question correct, we go back to Nate. I did get a point, though. You got a point, but you didn't get it correct. 
So since nobody got it correct, we go back to whoever started off the whole shebang, which is you. Still me. Uh, on July 18th at midnight, these two recent released WWE superstars are going to go public on their time with the WWE. Who am I talking about? Oh, my God. I don't know this one at all. So I'm just going to say the two names that I want to hear from the most. Okay. Rusev and God, who else got released that I'd want to even hear from? And Heath Slater. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not really. No, I'm going to be Come on. He's got kids. Uh, yeah. Great. That's, that's nice. I don't care. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Rusev and, uh, uh, God, I don't know. Uh, Zach Ryder. That is an incorrect answer. So, so we're going to move on to Shawnee. Uh, July 18th at midnight, these two recently released uh, superstars going public with uh, their time in the WWE. Who am I talking about? Is that the Machine Gun Carl Anderson and the Big LG? That is. Both Luke ah. and Carl Anderson. Uh, they revealed this week that uh, they will be shooting on their podcast when their gag order essentially is up, do you think this is going to make Moxley's shoot uh, podcast look tame? And what have been some of your favorite shoot interviews over time here? I don't know about making it look tame, but it should be very good. They are very much carnies. I enjoy their podcast a lot, but they uh, essentially are constantly uh, pushing to hear the Patreon. So I'm very curious to see how that shakes out, how much of it is released for Patreon, how much of it is released for general content and how much of it is you know at, at 12.05 a.m is all of it just repeated by bloggers across the entire internet i guess is, is probably how to look at it probably <laughs> uh you know one of the a very very good recent shoot interview was uh jim ross on jericho's podcast i they they basically the two of them shot on vince mcmahon for a good 20 minutes of that conversation and i thought it was very very entertaining I don't think it'll be as entertaining as Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, just because Ambrose was such a a bigger name in WWE. Unfortunately, Gallows and Anderson were not taken seriously ever during their run, so I don't think they'll have the stories and the comments that Moxley had going into AEW. But I think it'll be very good because these guys are big names everywhere else and have been and will be but WWE. And there has to be some underlying reason for that. And I think that's going to come out and that's, what's going to be the entertaining. Part. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, although it's interesting to note that John Moxley's position on the WWE in the years since he gave that interview has definitely softened up quite a bit. And obviously, yeah, because Ambrose was involved with, you know, way bigger storylines and, you know, there was the whole thing with Roman and cancer promo. And so, yeah, there was a, people wanted to hear more from Moxley than I think that they want to hear from, you know, the two club guys. Oh, I'm super excited about this shit. Are you kidding me? These two guys just talking about random crap alone is entertaining not to mention keep in mind they were both part of that crazy insane uh saudi arabia event where like everyone got stranded except for vince and brock so i think we might hear way more about that and some stuff and shenanigans that happen behind the scenes that most of us uh or you know whoever you know tips off the dirt sheets were privy to i think it's going to be highly entertaining 
and it's going to be a laugh riot. It so happens to be dropping the day before my birthday. So I'm like, oh, what a present to me. Be careful. Uh, be very so, careful. I had a bunch of stuff that was supposed to happen before my birthday, and then COVID-19 happened, and all of it just went to shit. Look, at the, the two hoots are still managing to do a podcast in lieu of COVID, so I have all the faith in the world in them. I'm just saying, man, manage your expectations, because it could all disappear. All right, Shawnee, you get the final question of the night. Haven't answered that one particular one uh, correctly. So this week we saw the um, first episode of the Undertaker documentary over in the WWE Network. Uh, and in 2019, the Undertaker reportedly signed a new deal for the WWE. This was not in the documentary, but we will talk about that documentary. How many years uh, do, was this deal signed for? Do you know that? Is that the new 15-year contract? That is the new 15-year contract. Wow. I thought that was going to be a stumper. You did not stump me, sir. <laughs> so uh, have you seen the new Undertaker documentary? What are your thoughts on it? I did watch it, and I love the moment that Roman Reigns – this is like the best thing I've seen out of Roman Reigns in WWE when Undertaker is uh, getting his hotel room, checking in at the hotel, and Roman Reigns, knowing that the cameras are on, walks up next to him. And when Undertaker sees him, he does a double take because he's in such disbelief that his opponent would be so callous to the tradition of kayfabe that they just walk up right next to him at the hotel. And it was just a great moment between a young wrestler ribbing an old wrestler. And it was very genuine. And I loved it. I was also highly entertained with it. It's always funny with these WWE documentaries. You're trying to figure out how much of it is put on and how much of it is real. Um, but this particular one... I didn't have much of a problem with just kind of suspending disbelief and really appreciating the story that they were telling and getting to see little moments like that, getting to see people after Taker, one of Taker's matches, you know, checking on him and saying, are you okay? Getting to see Brock Lesnar asking him, are you okay? A guy that, you know, typically we've been led to believe doesn't really care about very many people. Yeah. And I think between Brock being real and even the undertaker because the i mean undertaker and brock lesnar to me out of anyone in wwe they do the best at not breaking character it's tough to see them as a real person like all, all these other guys seth rollins roman reigns you've heard and seen them outside of their character be a real person taker and brock are rarely in the public as just themselves and not the characters we see on TV. So I'm very entertained to see the behind the scenes to see Mark, you know what I'm saying? And just be not the undertaker, be relaxed, seeing Brock check on him and all of that. I was very entertained. I haven't seen part two yet. I know that just came out the day that we're recording this, but part one was awesome. Yeah. I, I like the taker documentary. It's, it's really well done. The, can we talk about this 15 year deal though? What is that about? That's, certifiably insane with a man of uh of taker's age like the, it, it, there's there's no way that that can be a 15 year wrestling contract at some point that's got to turn over into you know like uh, you'll help with developmental or you know you'll become a trainer or an agent or anything like that 15 years for that man to be in the ring still, he need no, no. Nate, 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 Nate are you telling me you don't uh, look forward to a seventy-year-old Undertaker headlining WrestleMania Fifty? God, no. The last <laughs> two years <laughs> I've been there, I've been like, let the man retire. Like he seems just fine selling houses in Texas. Let him continue to do that. Like it's, I get 
I get WWE wants to keep him a part of the ecosystem. He's a very valuable uh, ring general and, uh, you know, locker room leader, you know, and you got to have those. Like, I think it's smart for WWE to keep him around. But uh, honestly, this it, it the Boneyard match has to be his last. Let's make this abundantly clear. The 15-year deal was strictly about Undertaker taking, quote-unquote, bookings outside of the WWE. And what I mean by that, uh, this time last year, he was scheduled to appear at StarCast, which, while it isn't technically associated with uh, AEW, it is taking place during the weekend of an AEW pay-per-view. He also booked a shoot-style interview with Inside the Ropes uh, with um, Kenny McIntosh. I don't know if any of you have seen any of those interviews. They're incredibly well done. After, you know, I think it was like his contract ran out, and then those bookings happened, and then The Undertaker was pulled from those bookings. This is my humble opinion. I think Vince thought there's no way he'll take bookings anywhere. And then he did. And then he probably shat his pants and said, we have to just offer him money just to keep him exclusive to us. The Undertaker is our guy. He Actually, I take that back. The Undertaker is my guy, my plaything. I don't want to share him with anyone else. Will he wrestle for that entire 15 years? No. But absolutely, Vince McMahon does not want to share him with anybody. Uh, we all understand that the WWE can produce any sort of compelling docu-series. They can make the dullest subject interesting. I thought, obviously, it was well-produced. I think it, it it was fascinating, especially since I can't even call him by his real name because it's just weird. I'm like, no, you're The Undertaker. That is your That is your birth name. The Undertaker has been so protective of the gimmick for so long. But watching this, I don't have sympathy for Mark Calloway. This is a man who has a problem with letting go. And Vince is equally as guilty of this. We all saw the scene where he's talking in the car saying like, I don't want to be the guy that the, a dad looks at his son and goes, yeah, I know he's a little rusty, but you should have seen him like 10 years ago. He is that guy now. Yeah. He's allowed himself to become that guy. And it's his fault. And it's Vince's fault for not letting him the fuck go. Yeah. Totally, totally agree with that. And and I, I hadn't even considered uh, Taker taking outside bookings because that's that's crazy. But I do just want to say Taker on Inside the Ropes or on shoot interviews would probably be the most interesting thing ever. Because for as great as the documentary is, it's WWE's version of telling the Undertaker's story. With that being said, let's move on to our final round. Erica, give me a tally of the points before we get started. Okay, well, in a third place, we have Mr. Nate with three points. Uh, in second, we have Justin with seven points. And then in the lead, narrowly, is Shawnee with eight. Okay, our final round consists of a very difficult question. Uh, before we get to it, though, I encourage all three of our competitors to private message me here on Discord. Let me know how many of your points you would like to wager against this question. And, uh, oh, I actually have to ask the question first, don't I? <laughs> Silly me. All right, here's our final question. Whew. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be impressed. Robert Pattinson made headlines this week when he told GQ that he's not working out during quarantine in preparation for his starling role in The Batman 
saying that I think you're working out all the time. You're part of the problem. You set a precedent and no one was doing this in the 70s. Even James Dean wasn't exactly ripped. After the quote went viral, a New Japan wrestler tweeted out that he would gladly play Batman. I would like you guys to private message me your answer and how many points you'd like to wager on this particular question. There's either either some serious thinking or some serious Googling going on right now. Just for spelling. <laughs> I love your answer, Nate. All right. With these, uh, these three answers in, we will uh, get to the actual answer. Uh, once again, repeating the question, Robert Panson made headlines this week when he told GQ that he is not working out uh, in quarantine in preparation for starring in the Batman saying that if you're working out all the time, you're part of the problem. And no one was doing this in the seventies. Even James Dean wasn't exactly ripped after that quote went viral. A new Japan wrestler tweeted out. I'll play the Batman. Uh, we'll start with Justin who, uh, if I have this correctly here, wagered one of his points and said that it, it was in fact, Robert Pattinson that uh, worked in new Japan and also tweeted to himself that he would play the Batman. That is incorrect, Justin. But uh, you only wagered one point, so not a lot to lose. Nate gave me the answer Minoru Suzuki and wagered all of his points. While that is in incorrect, boy, oh boy, would I pay to see Minoru Suzuki play the Batman. Yeah, every other answer, by the way, is just wrong in spirit because that's the only <laughs> correct answer that I will accept. I only want to see Minoru Suzuki playing Batman from now on. <laughs> like I'd want to see him go back and do Batman's previous, right? Like I'd like to see him doing Adam West Batman as well <laughs> as Bat Nipples Batman. Like let's cover all of the bases. Can you imagine Minoru Suzuki against Arnold Schwarzenegger as uh as Mr. Freeze? He'd headbutt him 47 times. <laughs> Uh, Shawnee wagered none of his points, but guessed Turo Yano, which is also an incorrect answer, but he had nothing to lose there. So it's all right. The correct answer is actually Will Ospreay, who is very active on Twitter. And who would legitimately be a decent Batman, I think. Charisma alone. I'd like to see it. However, not as much as Minoru Suzuki. I, I, admittedly, now it's like, now that's the dream. Let's go back yeah. to, you know, the Batman movie. I want him in full 60s regalia. I think it would be magical. Oh, it would be perfect. It would be the greatest thing ever made. Yeah, once once you put that on the table, it's like, uh, how can you how can you lose? Uh, seeing as everybody got that one incorrect, I'm going to give Nate the, the points for that one. I was pretty entertained. I will However, uh, after that, the final scores, according to my tally, puts both Nate and Justin at six and Sean at eight. All right. Well, uh, then that is our game. And thanks. Uh, congratulations to our new champion this week, Shawnee Constant. Shawnee, I'll give you 60 seconds if you'd like to cut a promo on your uh, on your competitors or if there's anything this week you think we missed that you'd like to bring up. Go ahead. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for being here today, the people listening and the people on the panel, as well as Erica keeping time and you, sir. I'm not sure that I would have been able to do this without the love and support of the One Fall Show universe. And without them, this title means nothing. Good luck next week, boys. I'm out. He did not even need 60 seconds. A decidedly fan positive 
promo from uh, from Mr. Shawnee Constant. Justin, I'll throw it to you. Uh, you got 60 seconds to either cut a promo on your competitors for next week or let us know about anything that we didn't cover this week. Go ahead. So I'm not going to cut a promo because that was so nice that I just feel bad to even come back with anything mean. But I will win next week. We'll leave it at that. A lot. So Vince McMahon and WWE is taking a lot of hate for a wrong reason, I think. They're still determined to have SummerSlam in front of an audience August 22nd. As much as that doesn't sound realistic to some people, I personally don't think it is, but we'll see. Nobody knows. All of a sudden during these times, everyone's turned into medical experts and everyone's turned into politicians. No one's involved in these conversations and nobody really knows when. So I'm okay with him leaving it open for now. 15 seconds. He's still determined. Now, will it turn into an empty arena? Probably in my opinion, but I don't think WWE deserves hate for even trying to be optimistic that they're going to try because that's still a few (laughs) months away. Thank you very much, Justin. Thank you. Uh, Nate, you get the last word in the last words. Uh, let us know if there's anything that we, you want to talk about we missed this week or, you know, just talk some smack to your uh, your competitors. Go ahead. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how to feel about a member of the uh, previously booking department winning his first match in. I think that there's some shenanigans going on underneath the mat, but that's okay. I'm going to let it slide this time. My championship will uh, rest comfortably around your waist and you can try to kiss the fans ass all you want. But everyone knows who's really the champ almost to come from behind victory today because of my wit alone. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. 30 seconds left. (laughs) <laughs> sorry hey you can make me the timekeeper. I, I take my duties very seriously i did and as the timekeeper i'll also uh, i'll also let you have a minute was there anything that we missed this week that you wanted to cover erica no i think we covered literally everything that i wanted to cover uh we covered the world of twitter we covered all of the promotions active right now. Um, I don't know if anybody saw uh, New Japan's plan on returning, but basically, like once Tokyo is like not under lockdown, they'll start shows up again. So hopefully, that means it'll be soon because I miss New Japan so so much. All right. Well, with that said, I encourage you guys to find us over on the One Fall Show Facebook group where we're always sharing memes and talking about wrestling. I of course encourage you to. Uh, subscribe and rate and review our uh, our episodes this is the fourth episode of our game show format but we do have some of our previous episodes which was more of an interview format with me and shawnee and uh some close friends also uh going around the table let's start with you justin where can people find you online so i'm a huge sports guy so follow me on social at jv underscore sports underscore talk or jv Excellent. Nate, where can people find you? At Nate Benderama on Twitter. And uh, very soon you'll be able to find me on Twitch. And uh, I'll let you know when and where. Shawnee? You can find me at the Talk Order to Me podcast, along with uh, Mr. Bean here. And you can find me at Shawnee.Constant on Instagram.com. Excellent. Erica, where can people find you online? Anyway, you all know I love New Japan. I can't wait for it to return. However, if you want to see me, wax philosophical about wrestling and other things you can find me on twitter and instagram at erica underscore banis and you can find me online on twitter at uh, chzuckbean b-e-a-n you can find me on twitch 
at uh, twitch.tv backslash C-H-Z-U-C-K. And of course, you can find me, as Shawnee said, on the Talk Horror to Me um, Facebook group and podcast talking about horror movies and on the Nerd Radio podcast with James and Al Beck, which we uh, release episodes every week. Thank you all for taking part in this week's One Fall Show. Thank you at home for listening. And um, I don't have a good out here. Shawnee, do you have a good out? Have fun, everyone. Be safe. Don't fall in the hole. Ah, an old classic.